Podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. You guys know they've been partners of ours for a while now. Listen, I do all my shopping for soccer stuff there, and you should too. They got all the stuff from Europe. They got everything from MLS. They got teams all around the league. They got all that sweet FC Dallas gear. Soccer90.com. Use code third degree at checkout and get 20% off your order. That's code third degree, 20% off. Soccer90.com. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to yet another episode. And I'm kind of excited about this one. Episode number 248 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it's me, Peter. There he is, Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. Hey, uh, is, is 248 a significant number to you? Maybe. We'll oh, find out later okay. in the podcast. And your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder, thirddegree.net, and the original American soccer influencer himself, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Peter, I thought for a minute you would say the Dallas FC Curious in honor of someone that's been breaking <laughs> news <laughs> of late about FC Dallas. We should absolutely do that. Uh, real quick, before we do any anything else, I have to ask, Dan, what is going to be the outcome of Giovanni Reyna to Forrest? Shit show. Absolute shit show. Buzz, what is your opinion of the future of Giovanni Reyna at Forrest? Uh, I'm not going to go as far as the shit show, but I, I don't. I think he'll end up, you know, not staying there very long. Okay. I'm excited for him to further tank their season and kind of give us a hand, helping hand. So. <laughs> I was going to say I thought you were going to ask Dan about stomping Brighton. Well, that was my next thing. I mean, yeah. not that he's worried about it because uh, clearly, uh, what have you guys picked up ten points in your last five games or something? That's a great run, Dan. You gotta, somehow are unbeaten in seven. Yes. Oh, so Dan, you know what? I should throw this in here because you were kind enough to uh, suggest this. Can you help me learn how to pronounce your player's entire name? <laughs> do you know I, how I to do it? Because you were giving me shit about it. Do you actually know how to pronounce his entire name? I don't know his entire name. I just know Elijah Adebayo. Okay. Well, that's uh, pretty good. That's, no, I can it. say Elijah. <laughs> I can say Elijah Adebayo. I can, just couldn't oh. say the entire fourteen name, three hundred letter collection of uh, consonants and vowels that his parents cruelly gave him so many years ago. Adam will find it. I've got to get by the uh, the the new Japanese player whose name no one can also say. Kobayashi. No, no, uh, 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 Luton. We just oh, it, signed uh, right. Daiki Hashikoda. Ashioka. Very good. Sounds good to me. But it is somewhere. His name. Come on, Eli. Where are you at? At a bios? Yeah. Okay. Elijah. Anuo Luapo. Anuo Luapo. Anuo Luapo. Anuo Yes, that. <laughs> All right. Sorry. There's like this. There's some Nigerian person that's really pissed off at you right now. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> Excellent. Okay, here we go. I think uh, it was time now to get into what is clearly the biggest story happening with Football Club Dallas, and that is, of course, 
Dan Crook once again nails his mock-up of the new Dallas jersey. Congratulations, Dan. You've done it once again, my friend. Yay. I mean, we should probably wait till the kit's released to see. Uh, I am going to make an official announcement here on this podcast. I have seen a photo of the official jersey. Mm. And you have essentially <laughs> nailed it, my friend. <laughs> Plus his reaction. Huh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You don't believe me? I believe you, yeah. And I'm just telling you, Dan, you nailed it, my friend. Oh, we're, we're, we're getting pretty good at these now. I mean, this what, year 11 now? Yes. I have, I have been told by somebody that has seen it themselves that it is correct, or essentially the quote was, they nailed it, and I have seen a photo of it of a player standing in it, uh, and from what appears to be, I'm going to guess, the media day session, and I think between those two sources, I can officially say, Dan, you're about as close as you're going to possibly get without being officially an Adidas employee drawing it yourself. Nice. Maybe we'll give someone a panic again. Well, it's pretty impressive considering that like some other times that Dan has gotten really close, we've had things like a tiny piece of fabric or a a more visible pattern. This time it was all just, um, you know, Dan's knowledge of templates and the, and some of the stuff we'd seen in the social media in terms of, you know, color patterns and then, you know, occasional hints here and there and to get it as close as he did is just incredible. Um, you know, as you're saying he did Peter, of course. Say that again. As you're saying, he did. Yes. Well, I. I mean, from what I've seen and what I've been told, I think you've done it, dude. And and I, again, there's a whole bunch of methodology methodologies to this. I'm sure, Dan, that you have gone through to get to this point. But so, my question to you guys is: Do you like it? I. Well, I'm two of two minds about it. I. I don't like that they continue to insist on not building a singular brand um, with whatever. If they you know, in this case, they've, they've sort of have made half of a bed with hoops, but then not. So like to go back and forth on that is to me just stupid. Um, but you know, in and of itself, I actually kind of like it. Uh, you know, it's like, I'm not usually one for gimmicky jerseys, but you know, I have to admit that aesthetically it does look nice in my opinion. I don't know if I would call it a gimmick though, because like starry night was a gimmick. Yeah, sure. Sure. The, and, the, it, dis, and the deconstructed Texas flag to me was a gimmick. This yeah. is, a, this is kind of a spin on a traditional half panel design, right? The gimmick for me is like the, uh, I don't know what you call it, sort of the digital chunkiness as it gradients across. That's, that's the yeah, sort the, of gimmicky thing in it, the but stepped the, gradient, you yeah. know, the way dad, Dan has done it looks really nice. I mean, if it's as nice as this, I'll be relatively pleased other than the fact that I think it's just absolutely asinine to not stick with what people think is your brand you know i mean at this point there are people that call this club hoops all over the country you know you've made your bed stop screwing with it you know well maybe the maybe the club's brand is not having a brand identity yeah okay (laughs) sure (laughs) i mean a a lot of the feedback was oh yeah i like it as a soccer jersey just not as an fc dallas jersey and yeah that's that's kind of how i feel i like if that's how it ends up being that's cool with me. Uh, the you know the back's a little bit weird, but that's MLS rules. Can't really do much about that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's cool. It's, it kind of invokes that whole FC Basel, Cagliari, uh, Barcelona when they go back and do like the centenary stuff. I, I like that. That's that's very visually appealing. 
Uh, do wish uh, maybe they could have done it top to bottom, and then maybe that that little stepped gradient could be like that could be your your kind of get out for hoops. But yeah, it'd be nice if there was some identity because uh, you know they they got rid of hoops and it was raise your red. It's just going to be red, and now suddenly you've got kind of what people were saying about Austin, right? How can you be Verde when you've got a majority black shirt, black shorts, black socks? Well, you know, you're, you're red, but your socks are blue, your shorts are blue, and half of your jersey's blue from the front. I agree, and that's my biggest question about it. It's not that I don't like the shirt by itself, but I, w- I really wish they had put some consideration, and they probably did, but now it's essentially a navy kit. Uh, with its, uh, I know the back is red, but when you're looking at it from the front, it's essentially a navy kit between the socks and the shorts. And man, I do think if they paired that with white shorts mm. and red socks, I think that shirt yeah. would pop and look amazing. Yeah, it would, but they won't. So, I mean, the, the thing is as well, sometimes you know you see these in the actual fabric and and in person, especially because I I thought the uh, was it the was it the powder blue or was it the burn baby burn it it was just kind of a night and day jersey up oh no sorry it was the reunion jersey because it had that really subtle pattern yeah it was just night and day it looked really cool up close but then from afar it was just a plain white White shirt yeah yeah i I think you know the the powder blue one same you know you got up close you saw those little red and blue uh, details in it. it looked really cool but from afar i mean that's still my favorite color i'm still gonna like that but it was just a you know, that could have been a Coventry shirt for for you'd know um, if you took out the red piping. So it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't scream FC Dallas, but maybe in, the, you know, when you get the actual coloring in the fabric and the uh, that kind of pattern that they use uh, within the fabric weave itself, uh, it, I don't know, something may pop. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know how you figured out the step gradient part, Dan, but do you agree with me that the reason for that is to avoid the illusion of what looks like purple when you do a normal kind of blue to red or red to blue ombre or gradient. That's the only reason why I can think why they did that instead of just a natural fade between the two colors. So the uh, the EAFC leak was kind of what made me think it's not a straight up gradient because there's a few with gradients. There's Montreal has that kind of like uh, that strip where the uh, crest is. It's got a pattern in it. Uh, Charlotte's got the blue mountains, but it's done as like a, a white to blue stepped gradient. LA Galaxy has a, a pattern in it, a white and silver pattern, uh, which, you know, it looks as if it's kind of like a gradient, but really it's just a series of pinstripes that kind of rotate and move further out. So just a straight gradient on one jersey when there's several others that kind of have that as a as a feature, but not kind of straight up, just seemed a little bit odd. So it was just trying to play around with something, see what kind of fits designs and, you know, well, what looks right, I guess. I, I would agree that part of the, that, that actually really helps make it not purplish in the transition. I mean, whether that's why they did it or why they wanted, wanted to do those gradients in general that way with that step look, but it definitely helps that, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But, you know, f- but we'll see from the top of the stands, it still may look a, a purplish, muddy mess <laughs> when you get far away or on TV. We'll, have to see how that goes. And, and obviously, I think the, how much white trim there is will make a big difference. Like Dan's got a fair amount of white trim on his. You know, I, I think done in the right Adidas ways, whether it's exactly the same or that, we'll, we'll find out. And I think that'll really help. Like if that trim is not 
popping all over the place like that, it's going to really make it muddy. Yeah, because for me, like the the white trim, like the collar, I I know what the collar is going to look like. I've, you know, there is a there's a video of Jesus Ferrero, and 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 that is the collar. The white stripes is, you know, the white stripes and the piping and sleeves is kind of just a guess of what goes with that collar. Uh, bearing in mind, you know, we know what the trim on the shorts and on the socks looks like, that that's all white. Um, you know, they could they could theoretically do the reverse, right? Have the red piping on the blue sleeve and the, and the blue stripes on the red sleeve. Uh, it just doesn't, I don't know, it, it feels a little bit too subtle for what they've been doing this year. Yeah. White shorts. Navy blue, red sock, or, or navy blue, right sock, red left sock. <laughs> half and half sock. Yeah, yeah. that'd be fun. <laughs> One thing's been kind of funny uh, since since we dropped the prediction is people like it or they hate it. There's no love it. There's I no kind of yeah. don't like it. No one's on the fence. It's like no. it or hate it. And that's probably a good thing, right? Like it just it. I I mean I. I can see why people don't like it because they want the club to keep with the hoop identity or whatever. But I do think just as a design for a soccer shirt, as you said earlier, I think it's a really interesting idea um, uh, to on a spin of a half panel, which I yeah. like. So I, hey, maybe when I'm back from the UK, we can do uh, what we think they should have done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Very good. Well, I'm sure there are people frustrated that we started with Kit Talk. Mm. You know Sorry, who Steve. you are. Yeah. Uh, we will move on to the other. I, you know, I, I guess this is big news. Dallas signed a, like a legit striker for the first time ever in the history of the club. Um, some some guy they just hired. I mean, I guess it's going to be kind of a big deal, but I um, don't know. I mean, we have kit talk to do. We don't have time for striker striker signings. No, honestly. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they went out and spent you know ten million dollars and signed like a twenty five year old European up and comer, and uh, yeah, you know, really, and beat out a lot of European clubs who also wanted the guy to come play for them, and he's actually coming to play in Frisco, and you know, I guess that's a big deal. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, let me first be clear is is that um, I, I don't have any confirmation of this. This is just two people reporting this or however are very, very good. And you can trust when they said that the paperwork's been done and that this is happening. Then I'm very confident to then talk about it. Um, I've watched. Buzz, buzz, stop. Yeah. This is a huge fucking deal if it in fact is no, happening. No, I know. I know. I, I don't want to. I want everybody to understand. I'm really pleased by this. And I think we all, I think the three of us are like, holy well, cow, I can't believe this is actually happening. <laughs> yeah. The, the reasons are exciting are not, not because we've seen more than like a highlight reel on YouTube. I mean, I've never watched this guy in person. For all I know, the guy is not, you know, we'll have to reserve judgment for how good he actually is, or I will. You guys can do what you want. I'm going to reserve judgment until I actually see him in person. But the, this is a different, um, level for the hunts. This is a different place we've never been before. Cause this isn't like this, this wasn't contingent on them selling Jesus. This is completely independent of that. Yeah. They've gone out and spend uh, on a base, apparently 10 million ish dollars. And with possibly going up to 13 or 14, depending on what markers he hits, you know, this is a prime of career player. He's 25, not 35 or, or 20, you know, he's in the prime of his career. He's playing in elite league, He's the kind of body we've been talking about them needing for years now, ever since Blas Prez left, the style-wise. It, it takes their best player and moves him from a position that he's good at to a position that he's elite at and is very best at in Jesus Ferreira. So like everything about it is phenomenal, and it's exactly the kind of absolute big boy pants ambition move that we talked about at the beginning of this offseason. Are this, is this the season of ambition? 
So everything about it says that they're answering the question yes. So that's really exciting. Now, the proof, of course, is in the pudding. How good are they at scouting? Have they got the right player? They probably had to overpay a little bit because uh, they had to outbid several clubs in Europe, and they had to not just to get him to come to MLS, but then to come to FC Dallas because this ain't Miami or New York or L.A. But that aside, on paper and on the hallmarks of this deal, this is absolutely phenomenal you know, game-changing deal in, in not, not the league, but for FC Dallas. There are other teams that do deals like this. Dallas has never done a deal like this. So this is exciting. It is, and I think the... Uh, I think uh, to your point, the exciting part has nothing really to do with the player, how good he may or may not end up being. Because I, th- I think part of the conversation we're going to have is trying to set expectations for everybody. But it does speak. Uh, I mean, we started this entire offseason talking about how this was clearly a time for the Hunt brothers to establish their ambition for this club. Yes. And, and I feel like, you know, at least partially, um, this really begins to uh, demonstrate that they do have greater ambitions than I think we all were very concerned about this time, what, a month ago? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Messi's come into this league and changed things, you know, and we wondered uh, quite vocally and openly on this podcast and other places, you know, are the hunts going to keep up? Are they going to show some ambition? Are they going to have to change their spending ways if they're going to try and keep up with uh, your LAFCs or your Seattle's or let alone Miami and the money they're putting in for Messi. So it's like, you know, it's a different world. Uh, the MLS is moving into a new phase, whatever you want to call it. Somebody the other day said four, I think it's like seven, but whatever, it's a new era in MLS. Are you going to play or not? You see the things Colorado's doing, you see the things other teams are doing and you wonder if they were going to try and keep up in this league. And they are, you know, now we'll come back to whether, whether how good we think he's going to be, but um, to see the Hunts spend this kind of money, break their f- record for a guy in the pr- prime of his career that fits in an exact, I'm not going to say need, but fits in an exact way that everybody that sort of observed this team thought, this is how you most make this team make a leap forward and really compete. It's just super exciting to see him go for it. you got to love it. Dan, have you ever felt this weird when both Luton and Dallas are making signings that I, I go, I'm going to guess you're at least – moderately excited about yeah it's very weird um you know i think uh one of the one of the guys that does a podcast with luton called uh the hashioka signing uh paradigm shifting uh because you know luton doesn't have the infrastructure to bring in guys that aren't you know settled in a english-speaking nation so to bring a japanese guy who the closest has been is is belgium is it is a big deal. It means you've got that infrastructure in place. It means you've got that that ambition, and it's it's the same here. You've got a guy that you know nine. Uh, Tom Bogut's saying nine point seven up front with another three point three million in in add-ons. A guy who was you know sat on the bench for the UEFA Nations League final recently. Um, that that's that's crazy. That's that's not um, Jettison or you know any of the kind of bargain <laughs> bin players that well not Hara I mean Hara was Hara you know Hara was a big sign and didn't work out but you know you've you've had like your jettisons and players like that who've you know they're found in some bargain bin somewhere and you know kick tires hope hope it works if it doesn't you're only out three dollars fifty in a Twix I do have to question what Oscar Pereira thinks today when the Hunts just spent 10 million on a striker and he was about to lose his striker for like four million Although that's a funny story too, but you know. Well, I, you know what? There's an. Inter- I'm. I'm. That's funny you bring that up because I do wonder how much. 
of their decision to make this financial move uh, has seeds planted from Oscar leaving because we all know a big part of the reason why Oscar up and left was because they wouldn't spend the money to get him a nine that he asked for. And so you do wonder if maybe being on an option year, they were like, if we don't get this guy what he wants and we really like him as a coach, we got to do something to keep him happy. I mean, I, I do wonder if that's a part of this. I think uh, there's a small part of it that is, or not maybe even more than a small part. There's definitely the way the league is changing and reacting to Messi. There's definitely, they, they've seen the value of what a guy like Jesus can bring them, you know, and a guy, and, and, they've, and they've seen, uh, you know, various players who are, who are perhaps willing to leave because of a perceived lack of ambition, you know, a perception even from the outside that you're not trying very hard can actually even affect your ability to do anything in terms of player business, you know? So I imagine that all goes into it. It's just a continued evolution, you know, and we've talked about too, all these talk we hear and sources we have, and even the hunts themselves talking about this stadium renovation that's coming too. So, you know, we've always said that the hunts invested in this team in ways that other people might not do it, you know, and people always lamented they didn't spend money on players, but we've always said, look, they've spending a lot of money. It's not that way, but, but now they're going that way. And that's exciting and new. And, and, and maybe they finally woken up a little bit to the way the world market works, or also maybe they're awful really confident that they're going to be able to make money on players as they sell them on too. you know, I mean, it's entirely possible. They think of this guy at 25 as a dude who two or three years from now, they can sell at 28 for even more money potentially. You know, you brought him up. I do wonder how much uh, I, I would love to know what Jesus is thinking right now, because that's a guy who clearly was upset that the deal that he wanted to happen for reasons I'm still very confused about. Um, but whatever. I, I have to assume at this point, this has in some way has to at least make him feel better that he's got a guy to play off of. I imagine he's excited about it. Um, I'm sure they would have told him that they were going after somebody because otherwise he's been sitting around in the first couple of weeks of training, very confused about why he's not playing nine anymore. You know, so he must have good point. Yeah. You know, they would have had to have told him, Hey, we're trying to get maybe not by name, but they would have had to have told him what the, the idea is behind moving him around or else he'd be, you know, not, I don't think he's the guy that would quit on you, but he would be he would be like really baffled and, and, and confused and and maybe not on his best game if he doesn't if he's not on board with the program, you know. And, and basically, what we saw from his play um, and what I saw the day that I was able to catch training is he doesn't look like he's not on board. He looks like he's on board. So um, I'm hopefully he's, you know, like I said before, I I feel pretty confident that rejection happened well before camp opened you know, or in the week before the camp opened and certainly before they'd gone to Spain. So by now he was probably moving past it and hopefully he's excited about this new idea, you know, to have somebody to play off of. It'll really free him up theoretically. Okay. Dan, so we're all on the same, we're all on the same page. We're all legitimately excited about this news, both in terms of what it means for the Hunt's ambition and for the actual player himself, correct? We're all in agreement. Yes, Dan? Yes, sir. Uh, are you going to uh, piss on this parade now? No, I'm not. Okay. But I, I feel like part of our, uh, Buzz, do you agree, part of our responsibility for the curious is properly setting expectations. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yep. Yeah, right? And so you never know what's going to happen when a guy comes in from a foreign country. I mean, there are a lot of reasons to think this is going. This is all have the, the, the check marks of things we like. He's 25. He's played at a couple of other clubs. He's played outside of his 
regular he's had to travel and move to a different country uh etc cetera, etc cetera. but you just never know until you see a player and i will also submit that I, I one of the things that i always ask when a player with a pedigree or a name or coming from europe back to mls comes i always ask this question why is this guy in frisco texas what do i not know and I don't think that's an unfair question to ask. I know it sounds a little um, self-loathing, but I do think it's a fair question. <laughs> well, we've always said in the past that they, if a player didn't have a flaw, they wouldn't be in Major League Soccer. But um, I think that there is a caveat to that, that the landscape is changing you know, because of people uh, like Messi. But even in the couple of years before this, this league is becoming more and more accepted as a place that is legitimate, legitimately competitive. And people have seen it now as a stepping stone. If you're trying to get to the next level, you know, these teams on MLS are now competing with teams like, you know, second division or lower first division teams in the big five leagues or, or bigger teams in the, in the next five or six leagues in Europe, you know, MLS now competes with those teams. Um, you know, the amount of money that guys can come here and get paid is on par with those leagues. So it's a very viable option. Just over the last even two or three years, this has started to happen, I think, and, it's, and MLS has made itself viable. So you're seeing guys pass on, you know, the, the top of the second division or the bottom of the first division to come to an MLS team very confidently and very happy with the way it's going to end up going for them. You know, it's new for FC Dallas to see that. I grant you that. But I think there's a little bit of that in this landscape. But I think you're correct in saying that, you know, Obviously, there was something at Benfica that made him willing to move. You know, he wasn't quite getting in the lineups perhaps like he wanted to. Um, you know, he does have a great goal ratio in the limited minutes he's been getting. But you always wonder at 25 why he's not the guy. You know, so the, the, those are the lingering questions that are going to be out there. Yeah, I'll th let me throw this out because uh, I did some uh, research and ended up connecting with a, a, a sports guy who covers the Portuguese league, specifically Benfica, which, by the way, last week I learned I've been pronouncing it incorrectly all this time. <laughs> Somehow I magically inserted an extra letter in the word Benefica and calling it Benefica. I won't say anything. <laughs> and I have no idea why I was saying it that way. I'm, I'm going to either, you know, I'm just an idiot and I made it up myself or somewhere in the uh, nascent years of my soccer uh, learning, somebody called it that and I just picked it up on it. Anyway, it's Benfica. So uh, this person is an expert in that particular club and this is what I got back from him as his scouting on uh, Mr. Musa. Quote, he has his useful moments. Not a good not good enough to be a Benfica starter, though, as in I'd rather even start Arthur uh Cabral. Good for Boa Vista and maybe good in MLS, but never look like cracking the Benfica eleven. Decent against knackered and shit defenses. <laughs> uh I'd treat the FB ref numbers with caution. He's been getting sporadic minutes sporadic minutes for a mega dominant team. And I thought that was all really, really interesting insight because it does answer some of the questions that when you do look at his stats, like everybody immediately ran to FB ref and did that scouting chart where you get the bars mm -hmm. and it's just yeah. filled to the max with green. But then you go and look at the minutes that he's played and you're like, wait, these two things don't match up. And I, and so I do think, you know, to be fair, we just got to wait and see what the kid, the kid does when he gets here 
in a few weeks, right? Yeah. Well, the thing about stats is you can get him to say whatever you want. I mean, if you go back a couple of seasons to when he was in a team, he started a lot, it looked pretty good, you know, and, and certainly I think that, you know, two years ago when Reggie went to Boa Vista and they also took um, the kid from Houston, um, who I was, I'm losing it. Uh, yes. Uh, Albert, Albert Elise, another fantastic player. You know, they were bringing in some really quality talent at the time. You know, their whole inability to pay is a different question. So, you know, for him to be a pretty key contributor in the, into that particular team is probably a good sign. But, yes, I 100% agree with you. You never know what you're getting. You know, if his girlfriend doesn't get her green right. card, we could be looking at <laughs> – that's a fun on-the-list story with Ned Yalkov. But, you know, that's, there's a million things like that can, can derail a guy. He just doesn't like it here, doesn't speak enough of the language, doesn't fit in, whatever. Well, These things happen. Even, even just the whole, you know, Nico's – Pretty big on this five two two one this year. Okay, does he actually fit that role? Or does he theoretically fit that role? Yeah, yeah. Yet to see how it all goes. You know, I mean, we we've, we talk a lot about how Nico wants stri- strikers that move pretty, pretty even their center channel nines. That he still wants them to move. You know, how much does that guy want to move? We don't know. We haven't seen enough of tape on him. You know, how's he hold up in heat? It is ridiculously hot here. This is one of the hottest fields, if not the hottest home field in the world. You know, it's 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 tough for some people. Some people don't do well when they come here and they have to train this stuff every day. So it, there's lots of questions that will have to be answered with this play on the field. Um, and we shouldn't be going crazy. But, you know, and which is why I, I come back to the idea that it almost doesn't matter. Of course, it matters what he plays like. But it almost doesn't matter what he plays like because it's a paradigm change. And paradigm changes are noteworthy and important to to talk about, even when, you know, even if it doesn't quite pan out like we want him to do. I mean, if he's a bust, that's not that doesn't change the change the fact it's a paradigm change. No, and Buzz, you were kind enough immediately uh, after it kind of started to leak out. You went out and seeked out the dreaded YouTube highlight video package. Yeah, the most recent uh, one I can find. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I, you and I and Dan have all talked. Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Dan. I'm not a big fan of those things. Yeah, in general, no. me neither. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, I was impressed by this one. If only because of the quality and uh, variety of the different types of skills that he appears to show off. Like he's heading goals in, he's beating defenders on the dribble, he's creating space for himself, he's hitting bangers from distance. I mean, he at least in that video, it's just not the same thing over and over. He's got a tap in here. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I was really kind of impressed by that. Yeah, no, it's a very good video. Very well done. I mean, the video's good, and then also the player looks good, you know. And and all you can do at this point is think, is just hope that that video translates into reality. Short of going back and like digging up old game tapes, which I'm not going to bother to do. I'll just wait till I see him in person. So, um, yeah, hopefully it works out. Yeah, Dan, what'd you think of the tape? I uh, I haven't watched any. Um, no, I say it's hard to put value in those. Um, I think. You know, it's one thing after it's official, you know, after Logan Farrington was uh, drafted, I went and looked kind of just to see, you know, kind of what his physicality was like, what his pace was like, could he head a ball, uh, things like that. But it's it's always difficult, especially in, in this kind of system where Nico wants players to drop back. He wants them to kind of get involved with the build. Well, you're not always going to see that from that because those videos yeah. are just kind of obsess over, oh, he nutmegged this guy. Oh, he scored. Oh, he set up a great opportunity but then some guy fluffed that over so we're going to cut the video actually before <laughs> the shot um you know yes. and, and fair enough the whole point is it's a highlight video you don't want to necessarily just see the highlights you want to see how he 
handles different situations. So, uh, you know, the only way we get to see that is is in practice and in games. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I guess the word is is that the deal. I I, I guess uh, Fabrizio and Bogart both have said the deal is essentially done and that he's joining the club in Spain. Is that correct? Is that yeah? That, that's usually pretty normal for those guys that are in Europe to join because they don't need the visa to join over there. Then they can train and they can do their. Um, they both said that the physicals tomorrow and the paperwork's been submitted for you know from and signed. So um, at this point, we're just waiting for actual confirmation from the club, you know, a, a press release, which probably won't happen until after he has his physical, you know, and that, so they'll probably put out some pictures or whatever later in the week. And obviously we won't see him because right now there's no word that it, of any of the games over there being streamed, even though they told me they were going to be so far, they haven't said that any are. Um, so we'll have to wait. We may have to wait until he comes back here to see him. So hopefully we'll get some, some, some good stuff. But, I, I, you know, by the end of the week, probably you might see an official announcement because they probably have to clear the paperwork through the league office before they'll announce it, I would imagine. Before we get on to what this means tactically for the club and specifically for Jesus, I, I do want to comment um, my uh, friend Lars Siverston, who comes on the kick around pretty often, he heard about this uh, signing. And his comment to me was how impressed he is. He's like, Wow, the dollars in MLS really—I I, don't—I can't quote it because I don't have it in front of me. But basically, he, what he was saying was that he was really impressed that MLS must seriously be increasing uh, salaries because to get this guy, uh, it's not coming cheap—not in transfer fee, but what they're going to end up paying him a salary on yeah. is significant. And and if if Dallas is doing it, that's a really clear indicator of a significant change. Yes, yeah, it's, it's different. The league's different now than it was even six months ago since Messi got here, you know. And it was already changing in the last few years anyway. Before that, when we saw guys getting paid ten million a year by Toronto, not that it worked, but we saw it, you know. What do you think he's making a year here, Dan? What do you think he's going to get when the when the salary thing comes out and whatever it is, May or whatever? Oh, that's a good question. He makes uh, supposedly he makes around a million and change in in Portugal. So I mean. You- I kind of figure that's one and a half, two at least. I, I don't think it'll be more than Frank O'Hara. What was Hara making? Three, but part of his three, remember, was the fees that they had paid him up front. Oh, right. So, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's not all part of his salary. It just it just got amortized over the course of the deal. Yeah. Um. So you know, it, it's hard to know exactly how this thing will be structured, but I imagine it won't. I don't think it's going to be like a five. It's going to be. It's still an FC Dallas team. So you, it's it's probably going to be, I would imagine, based on how much the transfer fee is, it'll be above the line for what of a contract you can buy down. That means over one point six ish. So probably two, you know, probably less than three, but maybe two or more probably. Because I'm sure you had to give him a raise to get him to come here. He's That's part get, of it. He's gonna have a bitchin' house in Frisco, isn't he? Yeah, or downtown like Paz does. Oh yeah, I think Yaramendi lives down there too. Based on some uh, photos he's put out, so. Uh, well, that's that. That is uh, crazy talk. How much? How uh, how much of a saw a salve is this buzz? This is such a. I mean, a promising number nine signing. How much of a salve is this over the fact that they didn't sign the center back we wanted them to sign? Well, uh, not a lot because. To me, that's the, the center back problem speaks to a 
failure to evaluate the center backs you have on your roster. I know they like to talk about how great this defense is, but for me, the last two years, Martin Paz has propped this defense up a little bit. So I don't think the defense as a collective is quite as good as they think it is. And the depth at center back is obviously a real problem. I, I mean, I, I listen, I get all this talk about Omar and how healthy he was or whatever, but that wasn't the problem. The problem is that I don't want Ibiaga at, at 32 to be starting – you're going to be your number two starting a bulk of the game's player. I want him to be a reserve player. I wanted to upgrade a left center back. So Nikosi can be the right center back. So like the fact that there's a, there's a lack of recognition that that was what needed to happen is still worrisome to me that they're willing to go with what they are now, you know? So that that's, it, it doesn't help with that. It does help with the idea that like they, they just went out and got a reserve six and didn't look to upgrade that spot. But that, that at least was a solid, it looks like on paper, a solid move too. So I'm not complaining about that move per se either, but you know, I, I still am really bothered by this evaluation of their defense. Well, especially if they are going to play three in the back a lot. And we'll talk about some of the other yeah. news here in a little bit, but we'll, what I wanted to ask now is knowing what we know about this particular player, Buzz, and obviously you haven't seen him in person, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But what does this mean in terms of what the offense is going to look like under Nico with this proper number nine in place? And what does it specifically mean for Jesus? Well, it means that Jesus won't be playing nine um, because you obviously you want Jesus to start. And if you're going to pay 10 million for a guy, he's starting too. So, you know, it means that you're going to play. There's there's really three options. Options. Um, well, there's actually four. You can play a two. You can play a two striker system, which gives you two of those options. There's a four four two, or you can play a three five two. Both of those things give you two strikers, where you have uh, Musa and Jesus as your two guys. You could continue to play Coach Nico's favorite four three three. It just means that Jesus is a wing, which is sort of his his instinctual status thing to do anyway, and is where he broke in with his team to begin with. He's perfectly capable of being as a wing in uh, in a four three three. That's no problem. So that'll look much like last year, except he would be where Ariola or um, or uh, Velasco was for most of the year. And then the last option is a thing we've seen a lot lately, um, which is the um, what I call the three four three, and, and they insist on calling a five two two one. It's the same thing. They're just trying to communicate the point. We talked about this last week. This point of that the wings have to become these underneath players. They can't be wide wings, right? That's the whole thing. And, and you, so they use that more involved nomenclature. It's a three four three. It's just not not all of them are the same. So the, it's the formation that they've used against Miami and against New Mexico now in two games. So that's an indicator that they're leaning that direction. But I specifically, Coach told me that um, that he was not abandoning the four three three. They were definitely trying a four four two in training, and they definitely tried this three four three in training. And that he was going to switch that tactics all the time, like he did last year. So I don't think it's going to you're going to see the team married to any one of these systems. I think you'll see them rotate in and out of these systems from game to game or even in one game. You know, we saw that multiple times last year where a coach would sub in guys and they would do two or three different formations in the context of one game. I think they'll continue to do that. Um, this coach in particular really likes that versatility. So all it really means is that most of the time when you have Musa and Jesus on the field together, you're going to see Jesus play off of Musa in a, either in a Graziani Christ nine, you know, nine and 10 style or in a, wing style or in this three four three style something like that so it means jesus is not a nine except of course 
that maybe there are occasions in teams that you play against where you might think to yourself, oh, a really mobile false knight might do wonders in this game. I want to give Musa this game off. Or vice versa, where Musa's Anna Jesus gets the game off. You know, there, there will be, you know, both those two guys are not going to start 34 games. So, um, you know, when you throw in Cup and Leagues Cup and all this other stuff, there's going to be lots of versatility. But that'll be the primary component is to take advantage of your best player in his best position, which is off of a nine. I also had an, an epiphany when thinking about this is that it's kind of amazing that signing Musa to play the nine in some ways oddly solves the missing Velasco situation because we all thought Velasco was going to end up kind of playing more of a center of that three middle of the of the three midfielders that kind of attacking yes. well yep. now that he's not available this allows Jesus to play that role and now you don't have to worry about replacing Velasco as much yeah you can play Jesus deeper in in like a pure 10 kind of thing but that's not quite his his game, Steve Joe, Steve Davis jokingly called it a nine point five, which right. is sort of yeah. like you want to, you know, which is the idea of a four four two is then you have Ariola who can for sure play wide in a four four two, you know, it's a modern four four two. It's not, you know, he ain't gonna be back there sitting flat on top of the outside back, but you know, you, you might see a little less of the four three three at the beginning of the season until Velasco comes back because right, if you're gonna play that way, then you're looking at Legette and 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 um, Paxton. As, as those inside um, half space players underneath. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is pushed way outside like Bernie and like a regular sort of 4-3-3. So I think you might see less of that up front and more of this 3-4-3 where Jesus, and as we've seen in the two games, where Jesus and Areola are underneath, you know, a spot LeJet could feel field as well. A spot that probably like a, a, a Bernie is not so much. You, we saw him go at wing back, but... Some other guys they've signed can fit into that, you know, the, those slots, some of these kids and stuff. So um, it allows you to go double pivot too more because if you do want to use Jesus in that spot like you talked about, you can go pure double behind him. And how much of this uh, applies to or impacts the question at center midfield between who's going to play as six or eight or having to have two eights and a six or two sixes and an eight? How much does that change this? Not really. That doesn't have much effect. Because those things all hold the same. Because I don't think you're going to put Jesus back into that combo. So it's not, you know, you're still missing Velasco. So you're still relying on the same guys. You know, how many how many sixes versus eights you're going to field will depend on who you're playing, how physical you want to be, um, you know, how how which one of those tactic shapes you're going to use. You know, like we saw games last year where, you know, you, you might default to where your your minis your six and Paxton's your eight and a double look. But there were times last year where coach said, you know, I really want this physical presence in there. So okay, Liam Frazier's starting. And now Iramani's at uh the eight and maybe Paxton has a game off. Remember, we don't want to start Paxton 34 games either. We want him to start 20 something games, you know, um until he proves he can do it, you know. So the the mix is still in midfield is still going to be the same. You know, the having a nine um for Jesus to play off just changes the front. It doesn't change the whole thing. Because the styles, the, the way they want to play is the same. This modern idea of the fluidity of tactic, of, of getting that five across with the half spaces occupied, those things are still true no matter what the base shape is you're using. You know, The base shape just gives us a structure as we flow forward and backwards and watch transition. You know, it's, you're still going to end up with people in the same situations, and that won't change. So, Buzz? Yeah. We need your official... Mm. 
Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of, Dan? Um, mm-hmm. Buzz's official opinion of all of this, like how excited on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you about the signing of Petter Musa? Well, I'm as excited as I can be until I see him. You know, it's on paper, it's exactly what they needed to do. Uh, it's easy for me to say this because they're following literally the plan I wrote. I mean, they're not literally following it. <laughs> they're figuratively following the plan that I wrote. So all my reputation, if this sucks, I'm going to be looking like, a, you know, pop mud on my face. Although it may, if he sucks, that's not my fault. I didn't scout him. Um, but, you know, it's like we, we've talked about last year, all the time we talked about they stood pat. They didn't do anything, right? They just, ABI was the only thing they did different. And I was like, you're going to go backwards. And sure enough, they went backwards. So at the beginning of this spring on this podcast and then the stuff I wrote and Dan, we, you were here too for this. We're like, where's the ambition? Are you going to get better or not? And they did the, they, they did exactly like the number one big money. Are you going to play in this league or not move? And that's really exciting. So I'm as excited as I can be about this particular player and what's going to do up front. Now, what I have liked, a pure six, yes, but I like to center back, yes, but um, you know, short of really mostly more of the center back than anything else, still annoys me. But other than that, I'm as excited as I could be. Dan, if they don't make any other moves this offseason, is the 2024 edition of the burn better or the same or worse than the 23 edition? I mean, it be at worst it would be better just on the fact that you haven't really lost anything significant you've you know kicked away uh what's his name always frequently outside went to austin obreon yeah obreon uh yeah no I'd, i mean martinez uh we, sorry, we have I, some names to choose from for that for that land. well i mean yeah. honestly out of out of those faku is the biggest loss and i think you know frazier was just phenomenal late in the season and yeah you you've kind of uh made that a kind of a moot point they you know it would be great to sign another center back uh you know gonzalez has looked really good in the two games so far um you know if this is a change of scenery and everything that kind of gets him going the same way it kind of did for a jet cool um yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see how that that part pans out. But I think that actually links towards uh, something else. Buzz was going to talk about later on. But you think th- so? Your your ruling is this is a better team this year on paper than last year. So far, yes. Okay. Uh, just a real quick question, Buzz, because I realized I just thought about this. Mm-hmm. When Velasco comes back and he's healthy, where does he fit in this new team? Well, I, at the end of last season, I was said 100% clearly as that free eight role that was working so well for him. Um, but we'll have to see what the dominant formation is at that point. You know, th- at that point, they'll have established their normal operating lineup. Now, it's been a 4 3 3 for two years now, you know, and it may be that it still is by the time we get deep into the season. So, we can only say what it'll be when we watch it happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So if they've, if they're still in that form four, three, three, then it would be that underneath a free eight role. But if they're playing a different formation, then you would like, if they're playing at that point, if they've established this three, four, three, the new one, 
Well, then it would be like in the role we saw Jesus Ariel playing that underneath the striker, which is theoretically sort of a wing, but it's not really, you know, it's like two false wings kind of. So it would be, it would be back to that spot because you wouldn't play him deep in a double pivot or you wouldn't put him at wing back. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, may, maybe the formation at the beginning of the year is not the formation at the end of the year when he comes back, um, it, it, depending on how healthy he is, too. So it really is impossible to say until we see the circumstances when he comes back. You know, I, I mean, I can if you pick any given formation, I could tell you where I would play him. But that doesn't mean that that's what's going to be what's gonna be happening, you know, in terms of the team's tactics at that point. Okay, so moving on, we were talking about the center back situation and the fact that they've been playing three in the back, which really begins to expose the thinness of that position for the team. And hence, despite the fact that he told you, looked you right in the eye in the face, but yeah. it told you they were done signing center backs, the club has mm -hmm. recently been linked with another center back. Well, the thing about that in general is that if you are going to play three center back formation, whether it be this current one or a three, five, two or whatever it's going to be, then you absolutely have to add some more center backs. They don't have enough. Even using Junka in there and theoretically you can use Farfan in there. And we've even seen Ima Tomasi do it. That's not what you want. You at least need one, if not two more, if you're going to make that your primary formation. So, you know, the fact that this one particular guy was linked, it was a name I liked. It looked nice. It was a pure lefty, left-footed center back, so he would play over there on the left side, position of need. That'd be great. It, it sounds perfect. Can you it say is, who it is? Uh, yeah, Kobayashi, right? Wasn't that his name? Yeah. The, the kid from um, uh, Celtic? Is that where he is? Is he? Was it at Celtic, Dan? Yeah. I yeah. can't. Yeah, he's, he, he's not getting into their lineup, and they want to loan him to get some playing time. So, like, if you really are going three at the back, that'd be a great pickup. Everything about it's awesome. The real... The point to consider in terms of them telling me they were set at center back was when they were playing a 4-3-3. And then they get into camp and they start playing Jesus at these other positions and they start playing, you know, uh, Logan Farrington is a high striker and Anso is a high striker. And now they're going to go out and get this high striker. And maybe coach is really liking this three-man back. So it's entirely possible that what Zana told me now two and a half weeks ago has changed. I mean, that's what these preseason games are for, is to analyze that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they decide they really like it. They may have reevaluated that idea and say, okay, we got to go get some other center back now. And so those things have resurfaced. So, you know, what what was true two months ago, not two months ago, two and a half weeks ago could not be true now. And that's why you could see it again. So the, even if that guy, if it's, not, if it's not that guy, if we continue to see more center backs linked, that might tell you that they have indeed changed their mind about that idea that they were going to get a center back. I mean, we still thought there should be one anyway, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's only he, that he said that they weren't, weren't going to, that we thought that they weren't going to, because we all thought that they would just based on talent. Maybe the one time I really hope they lied to you. Yeah. Well, uh, it would be the first time I've caught him outright, but again, it's like it's been it's been enough time now that it's hard to say that really it would be. It would just be that things change, you know. Uh, also, you got word from Nico that he's made a decision on Nolan Norris's position. Oh, that was a Dan thing. Dan oh. found that one. Yeah, that was actually Steve Davis. Oh, there you uh, go. That was the hey Steve. That was the uh, scrum after the uh, New Mexico game. Yeah, so the point of it is is that Coach says that Norris for them now is a six, and they sort of decided that's where he's going to play. So um, the fact that they went out and got another six makes me think that almost certainly Norris will play the bulk of this season at North Texas, which is fine. You know, he's probably not 
necessarily ready to be like a big time player in the MLS level. You know, he is only 19 years old. He probably is going to be involved. This is a topic for later in the podcast. It was going to be, but he'll be involved with the U20 team. I'm pretty sure through the CONCACAF championships, which are in February, you know, the idea that leading up to the U20 world cup next year, which is 2005s and 2006s. I talked to somebody who's a lot more familiar with the youth national team program than I am. And they said that the left back, is really bad in that 0506 group and that Norris is basically the deadlock left back starter. He plays 90 minutes every game because there's nobody else, <laughs> which is funny because Dallas won't play him there at this. He's not going to be a left back for Dallas. He's going to be a six, but um, he'll, so he'll be gone a fair amount this year, probably certainly for the CONCACAF championships and maybe for more of that as the U20s head towards next year's U20 World Cup. All right, and uh, because you promised people on Twitter you would explain this news, because uh, uh, and you promised that it was good news. Yes, there's yeah. something happening with Antonio Carrera. Yeah, he's going to go on loan, uh, as I suggested he should um, a month or two ago, and have brought up a couple times to a USL Championship team. Um, I can't say which one. I've been asked not to say, but um, you know, the, the why it's a good thing is that. When you have a, and I actually even asked Coach about this, and he told me that they were considering it because they want to invest in Antonio Carrera. This is a this is a young player they want to build up for the future. This club will, from time to time, send players out on loans for this very purpose. I've I've mentioned it before. Jesus Ferrer went to Tulsa. Brandon Savania went to Tulsa. Emo went to Oklahoma City. Jesse Gonzalez went to Pittsburgh. I think. Various guys have gone to these USL championship loans that they're trying to invest in. And so the, the the decision with Antonio has to be built around starts. So whoever it is, and I'm not going to say, uh, there has to be some level of commitment to starts. I don't know the detail, but I'm sure it's there. And I would assume probably that there's a right of recall because if there's not a right of recall, then you have to go get a third keeper. You can't go through a MLS season with just two. Whereas if you have a right of recall, then you can just go with um, two. You can go with Paws and and, and uh, Maurer, potentially, you could, and just call Antonio back like you did Colin Smith last year if you need him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not perfect. So, like, the, it may be that you may see them sign some sort of journeyman third keeper, possibly, um, like when they went and got Zobeck, for example, just to have a body while Antonio's gone. You know, it, so that'll be some detail to look for because that part I don't know. Um, whether they'll be recall or not, or whether they'll have to go get another keeper or not. But so that's a minor detail to watch out for. But it's super exciting that you're going to, because Antonio started enough in North Texas that he's kind of moving past that in terms of its value. The value to him staying here is working with Drew Keyshawn, not playing for North Texas. It's better to get him challenged at a slightly higher level. Again, taking kids out of their comfort zone, taking them away from their families, taking them away from the coaches they know, putting them in the heat of competition, one where they're going to get some games in unfamiliar territory. That's all how you make better players. So it's, we, it's really well, good. Now we can say that he will not be going to the Austin Bold or San Diego L'Oreal. Yes, because those teams don't exist anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, those teams don't exist. No. Um, okay, in other related news, uh, let's see. Leagues Cup got announced. Dallas knows the teams in their group. How are we feeling about St. Louis City and Juarez? Well, the funny thing is, is they changed this the way that they're going. They determine these groups, so it well, it was supposed to be Tigres, and now it's not. So, um, St. Louis. Do you Louis, know why? 
oh, you know, I don't know, MLS going to MLS. Um, part of this new system, they have three tiers of teams, and then they group the teams up in a, in a, in a way to, quote, take advantage of geographic locations and competition balance, a.k.a. they can do whatever the hell they want, which is why you get, you know, uh, the group that enters in is against two really hot hope profile teams. And then Chivas USA and Chicharito are going back to play the galaxy. Who did Houston get? Uh, I don't really remember, um, but Austin got two Mexican teams. They're one of the, they're one of, they and enter Miami, the only teams that got two Mexican teams. So that's funny. Um, so Dallas is the second seed in their group. St. Louis is one and they're two and Juarez is the tier three group, which means that, if, if the method follows, they didn't announce this, but the method follows that Dallas will play at St. Louis City and then will host FC Juarez here. And the other change they made is that some of the high-profile, highly-ranked Mexican teams get to be a hub city, like the, a host city, but here. So, like, I don't know who, for example, like Pachuca could say, we're going to play our games in Vegas and you guys got to all come to Vegas so they don't have to travel as much, you know, that kind of thing. They're gonna They're kind of making them host here in a sense, so uh houston got salt lake and atlas yeah so that's i mean salt lake's decent but you know um, and you said uh, i'm looking at the austin has two mexican teams yeah i'm looking to see who they are yeah because i think they were the third tier oh they got oh they got monterey and pumas yeah so they might get eliminated early (laughs) oh and two uh yeah that's that's a tough group and then enter's got two really good teams or really famous teams i can't remember who they are but i just remember people talking about it Let's so, see. Cincinnati, NYCFC, Quintaro. Hmm. Yeah. So most groups are two MLS teams and one Mexican team. So, you know, it's still, it'll be fun. I, I enjoyed it last year. It'll be fun this year. And I just thought it's funny that MLS figured out a way to line up some of these fun, really high profile marquee games. Cause it's not real competition. Quote unquote, if you want, you can pretend yeah. that, you know, so they, they, they allowed themselves some leeway. Stack the deck a little, I guess. <laughs> yeah, P- uh, Puebla and Tigris got Miami. Orlando's yeah. got some traveling to do because it's Orlando, uh, San Luis, and Montreal in that group. Yeah, but Orlando is probably the high seed. Those teams probably come to Orlando. Oh, there's yeah. a seeding thing. You know, oh, I see what you're right, saying. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Which is why Dallas should have to go to St. Louis, and then they'll have Juarez come to them. Okay. Uh, and, but, you know, if you're going to get a Mexican team, FC Juarez is at least intriguing right there across from El Paso. There's sort of a connection there. I get that. Yeah. It's, you know, I thought it would be Tigris, you know, and, and Juarez has no fans here. So, like, there'll be, like, five people in the stands for that game other than the FC Dallas fans. It's not like if Tigris or Monterey had come here. You'd have lots of people, right? So yes. it's actually a real benefit to Dallas that it's FC Juarez. All right. Those games will take place when the league stops down for it from the 26th of July through the 25th of August. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, It says here on the famous red crayon run sheet, U-20 CONCACAF championships and World Cup update. Yeah, Norris was a part of that. Just to mention that Carrera would not be, he should be part of the next U-23 cycle, potentially the Olympic team. He's been high in that mix, whether he'll still be high in that mix, you know, going forward. I I don't know. It'll depend on his development. Um, So really the new World 20 World Cup will be the 2005s and 2006s. So we, we mentioned that Tariq Scott and Malachi Molina, who plays for North Texas, both are in the Jamaica team. Anthony Ramirez is involved with Mexico still at that age bracket, um, all academy guys. And then you get into the 2006s, which is the younger guys. That's where Stone could come in, possibly, on the U-20 team, maybe, if he develops mm-hmm. some more in the short run. 
And then if, if you think about Dallas guys, it would be Alejandro Azura and Diego Garcia, guys that are doing really well in camp right now, but not necessarily big in the mix yet. And then, of course, Matthew Corcoran, who is a starter for that group, actually, um, even though he's not here anymore. He plays for Birmingham, of course. But it's a guy I will always keep an eye on because you remember how highly I spoke about him when he was the academy kid here. Oh, you know, yeah. So, yeah. For sure. I mean, the club didn't seem as nearly as fussed as I was that he left. I mean, I was pissed. Not at him, just that they've missed on him, you know, and then he's playing for Birmingham. He started, you know, the bulk of their games last year and he just started for the U20s, basically. So, is Knight Pickering playing there too? He's at Memphis 901, but he doesn't start very much. He's mostly an off the bench, um, late spark player. Um, Listen, he it, it was him or Tariq Scott, and I would have taken Tariq Scott 10 times out of 10. You know, we didn't get to see him because he was hurt all last year, but. I, I would have him all day, every time over night pickering. You know, Knight's a good kid, but not he's not a project, not a potential star like Turk Scott is. Okay. Tarek Scott, goodness, I guess his name right. Uh, and you also mentioned iStone. Did you happen to notice online he put some sort of highlight reel video put together by his new agency, Spartan? I did. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I know that agency, I don't know a lot about him. They put together that reel and put it out. Yeah. So is that, that's it, cool. is there any. Does that give us any indication of where he's going to end up signing? No. no. Okay. No. Well, just thought I'd ask. No, no, it means nothing. You know. Yeah, okay. Europe. <laughs> Does that help? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have come to the Dan Crook portion of this episode of Third Degree, the podcast, as Dan was in attendance for Dallas's preseason game against New Mexico, which uh, from all the sounds and reports and reading about it, looks like it went pretty well for football club Dallas. Yeah, it went okay. Uh, A 4-1 win over New Mexico United. Uh, They were in their first week of preseason, so a little bit of chopping and changing on their part. Uh, Eric Krull had to borrow a few North Texas SC players uh, so they could do 30-minute shifts. Uh, FC Dallas went with the 45s, the same as uh, against Miami. They just switched the lineups around to have the uh, the reserves uh, start. Uh, we did get to see Enes Sully start, which was, uh, which was quite a, a nice uh, bit there. Good, uh, good little run out for him. Uh, what's your What's your review on him so far, Dan? Do you have a a, a feel about it at all? Uh, tenacious. Uh, he does. He, he, I mean, he he gets about a bit. He's uh, Nico said he's very vertical. Definitely saw a fair bit of that. Um, I, I liked what I saw. I thought he was very clean in in passing. Um, he has a really nice left foot on him. He did have the kind of uh, Iron Robin mirror moment. Uh, I think it was like 11 minutes in, kind of cut inside a defender, got it on his left and just kind of tried to hook around the keeper. Really nice curling effort, but the keeper made a great save from it. Um, you know, uh, it'd be nice to see him against, for one, better opposition. Um, you know, New Mexico wasn't great. Uh, they were very physical at the back, which uh, gave uh, Farrington... A pretty tough time, but uh, you know it'd be good to see kind of the, uh, against a better midfield because FC Dallas really just kind of dominated the middle of the field. Uh, particularly, you know, you you get to thirty minutes, suddenly they change the entire lineup. The New Mexico players are kind of just you know trying to spend those last fifteen minutes figuring out everyone else. Um, so it'd be good to see that, uh, particularly when they get back from Spain. He's had a, had a good chance to really gel with the team. 
And you also officially found out that uh, the pronunciation of his first name uh, is Anise. It's Ennis. The uh, same as it. They they, they misprint they, they misprinted it on the uh, preseason lineup. It's it's always been Ennis. Those dirty preseason lineups. It's not Enos, though. No. He's as we were not speculating. from Alabama. Okay. I prefer Enos. Well, of course you do. Um, no, he, he was he was pretty solid. Uh, it was nice to have him. I mean, he was alongside Legette, so there was kind of like, you know, a veteran presence there. E.R. Mendy's just behind him. How'd Legette look? Looked good. Um, just kind of carried on from, from what he did against Miami, just kind of. You know he's fit. He's looking lively. He's he's looking like a guy who, oh, you know, when he talks, he's uh, he could be a great motivational speaker. He looks like with that, you know, he's he's had that life coach uh, sort of off season. Enjoyed himself, but enjoyed himself in the right way. Okay. Uh, especially with you know with Paxton being down right now, it's probably uh, just a, a pretty good thing for him. But uh, seeing a lot more of him on that kind of that inside forward role in the uh five two two one three four three kind of however you want to call it where they kind of pinch inside and and switch around quite a bit um you know we talked a little bit about uh nolan norris he got the start in the double pivot with uh er Mendy. uh you know i think nolan's range of passing is is absolutely perfect as a six he tried a couple of well, i say he tried he executed perfectly a couple of those kind of cross field bombs, like forty yards onto someone, onto the end of someone's foot. The Tanner Testaments. Uh, yes, exactly that. Uh, the only thing he kind of had, he he coughed up the ball uh, in a bad place for their goal. Uh, left Jimmy Mauer well off his line, and uh, the guy just just lofted it into an empty net. Essentially, um, there's a couple of times he was caught in possession, but uh, you know his movement's good, his passing's good. It's just kind of getting that experience in the role for him. Um, what else we got? Um, Herbert Enderley, uh looked absolutely phenomenal. I Started saw that at, banger he hit. That was a great goal. That's two straight yes. good games for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, started at right wing back, looked really good uh, through the first half. He was just absolutely giving them uh, a nightmare. The only thing, the only problem they did have is uh, they had this really fast guy, Avion Flanagan, um, and they were just dropping balls over the top in the gap between Endele and Sebastian Ibiaga. Um, Endele was getting caught a little bit high. Uh, Ibiaga didn't quite have the pace for this guy. I mean, I, I don't think Tafaro would have caught this guy. This guy was absolutely rapid. But twice he got in behind um, into the box in possession. Once he just kind of crossed to absolutely no one because everyone was 10 yards behind him. Uh, and the other time he just kind of checked past us. Oh, he tried to check his run and then uh, someone caught up and tackled him. But a little bit, um, it was a little bit of a reminder of, do you remember when, ah, the Swiss fella, uh, Reto Ziegler, uh, they used to play that ball down the side of him in the gap to Ryan Hollingshead, I think it was, um, to kind of get in, in behind the defense. It, it was a little bit reminiscent of that. So, you know, a better team with uh, with an, an equally fast player could could certainly cause FC Dallas the trouble there. But you know, hopefully, you're, you're looking as, as good as Endele's been in preseason so far. You're probably looking at 
at Tumasi or or someone a little bit more experienced and uh, you know potentially a, a new centre back there too. Interesting stuff. And that was the final score of the game. Uh, it was four one. So uh, Endele got the goal in the first half. Th- about half an hour on the clock. Uh, yeah, Nolan kind of uh, gave up possession. They had that kind of gimme goal. Um, and then there was a four-minute period in the second half, right after former FC Dallas goalkeeper Jesse Gonzalez winning goal for uh, New Mexico, that uh, they scored three goals. So uh, he was terrible. Well, when you sit out for four years, that happens. Yeah, that's. I mean, he apparently he just got released by a club in uh, El Salvador, but uh, FC Dallas put up some of like you know some video shot on a phone. Uh, he just wasn't even moving for those shots. He's, uh, he looked like a guy who'd been out of the game for a lot longer than he has. But um, let me think. Uh, yeah, so FC Dallas kind of struggled there. They really struggled a little bit with penetration in the final third. Uh, Farrington especially was going up against Chris Gloucester, who was actually one of Ibiaga's teammates on that MLS Cup win in New York City side. Um, absolutely bullied him. Uh Farrington maybe could have had two penalties. Uh, referee wasn't really given, but uh, yeah, he just uh, he was kind of getting bullied around a little bit. It was uh, a stark contrast to the Miami game where he looked pacey, he looked strong, he looked like he was happy to take on players. Hmm. Uh, from there, I think um, really the, the the big interesting thing was uh, Nico actually tried to change up that five two two one um, in the second half. So he put uh, Bernie Kamingo at right wing back, which seemed really strange. But then he started to push Bernie forward. So as the ball's with the centre-backs, Bernie's actually up dead on the halfway line. Um, immediately, they, you know, he finds space. They play a ball into him. He uh, sets Diego Garcia up for a shot in the box. Like, uh, you know, it, it was working. Um, so after the game, I think Steve and I both asked about what, what you wanted to see from that. And effectively, the premise is, in possession, they were looking to move forward into more of a 4-4-2. So the wing-back that would be receiving the ball or on the ball side would push up effectively as a, as a wide midfielder. The inside forward on the opposite side would kind of drop back as, as the opposite wide mid. And, the, uh, you know, and then you would just have a, a two-striker formation. So it was good to see it in motion. Uh, it'd be great to see it a little bit uh, against more uh, competitive opposition. The The last 30 minutes, though, was pretty competitive because that's when they started bringing a bunch of North Texas guys in. You had uh, Malik Henry-Scott. You had... Oh, who else did they have? I think they had... I actually wrote it down somewhere. Now I can't find it. And that's... Yeah, okay, never mind too much. Uh, they had several of the guys that are in camp early. Uh, they also had uh, Benny Redjich, I guess, is on trial with them. Uh, they had... Ah, uh, there's another uh, There's another former North Texas SC guy that uh, that Quill seems to have in camp. But, Nicky Hernandez. Uh, no, he, he actually signed her on midway through last season. Oh. Um, there was another one. It's another centre-back. Um but, you know, just with the nature of that, you know, especially some of the North Texas SC guys playing with new players, uh, you know, they started getting a little bit chippy trying to kind of, uh, you know, show up. Uh, Nair spot 
further up the uh, the pecking order. So, Mark Salas. You know, that was it. It was Mark Salas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good good run out. Uh, Pedrino looked good again when he came on. Um, he's kind of been one of the little surprises uh, after the game. Coach did say uh, I asked coach about Jesus. Uh, that's a grade two adductor injury. Um, supposedly is about three to six weeks. He is not in Spain, uh, nor is Paxton Pomacol. He stayed back to uh, rehab his knee. Tumasi had took the knock. He is on the travel roster. Um, he is nearing his return. Uh, I think that's that's about it, really. You know, I've, it's funny that we've had so much stuff to talk about that this uh, element or this kind of tidbit about Jesus has fallen this late in the podcast because I feel like with all of the excitement about uh, Musa, there is a reality that between the Paxton Pomacall injury, um, uh, Velasco being out, and now this Ferreira thing, which seems to be this ongoing issue of an, ab- an abdominal injury or hernia or whatever it is, uh, that does, uh, I mean, it it doesn't make the, uh, those are some missing, those are pretty significant missing pieces if they're going to continue to be injured as the season starts, Buzz. And I just wonder, is the Ferreira thing going to be one of these deals where maybe he should have gotten it operated on a while ago and chose not to? And this is going to just kind of keep happening until he does. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know enough about medically what's going on to be able to answer that question. You know, certainly it's not great that he had this setback, you know, when they were trying to go with a non-surgical alternative. Um, obviously, you know, Jesus is a good enough player that it, it hopefully won't derail the season. I'm not, I'm not optimistic that it won't, but certainly it means they'll go into spring uh, the start of the season without any spring really at all, which is what happened with the last year. So it can be pretty detrimental, um, you know, especially because it's not likely uh, Petter Moose is going to be here, you know, for a month uh, ahead of the season either, you know, because he'll have to wait till he gets his visa, however long that takes, you know, so you might be looking at some real key missing pieces starting the season. If some of those guys aren't back, I, I will say that when I saw Paxton, you know, two weeks ago, he looked great. I mean, he was really moving well. So if they didn't take him, they must just be like incredibly cautious because he was booking it when I was watching him rehab run. So I was actually, or really maybe surprised. he's had a setback. Oh, that's entirely possible too. Of course, of course that's possible. Well, I mean, yeah, if, if you know, yeah. it, it could be something like scar tissue cleanup, you know, anything like yeah. that. And where they've just got to kind of work it out every day uh, with, with Ferrer, I think the big thing for me that stuck out was when, uh, when Nico says uh, grade two adductor injury, I think that's what they called Paxton's injury before they found out about the hip impingement. Mm. Oh, you know, you may be right about that. I have to go back and think yeah. about. It. Yeah, and that Jesus sounds familiar. has had a history of uh, sports hernias as well. So, I mean, if there's something that's kind of occurring quite a bit down there, um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe we've all just got Paxton PTSD, but uh, that, that sounded a little <laughs> bit concerning for your, uh, your guy that's making, you know, up to two million a year at some point. I'm oh. telling you, the season of Eugene Yansa, here we come. Oh, he was actually pretty good against uh, New Mexico. He came on as, I'm trying to think if he came up front or if he, yeah, he was up front. Um, he was he was pretty solid. He had a, a really nice cross in to uh, Ariola for a goal. Uh, Ansar scored as well. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head what that goal was like now. Oh, sorry, uh, Ansar 
Yeah, and the team originally credited Anzo with the assist on Liam Fraser's goal. It was actually a Diego Garcia backheel. Really nice goal. Watch the video if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, and Anza um, had what was potentially the the shittiest best goal ever. Uh, he had this nice little one touch <laughs> redirect. He kind of scuffed, uh, uh, finished right in the bottom corner, just past uh, Jesse's reach. But uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty solid work. He, uh, I thought he was absolutely hopeless against Miami. So it was uh, really encouraging to see him come off the bench uh, and really play an impact role. All right. Very good. Uh, Buzz, anything else you want to talk about in this amazingly upbeat, yeah. promising episode? Well, Isaiah Parker didn't get taken to Spain. He got left oh, here. He was also, also horrendous in the friendly. So is it just going to turn out that Isaiah Parker just isn't very good? Or not MLS? Maybe, let me be well, more polite about this. Yeah. He's not MLS level. It's hard to know. You know, he. I think he's got a boatload of skill, um, you know, of soccer skill. You know, he was very, very highly thought of coming out of college. People were talking about how he was going to be the left back for the national team and stuff like that. You know, I, I, there's definitely a disconnect between what coach wants and what the kind of player this is. From like the minute, you know, really that he was playing for Coach Nico, it's like it's just been a not my guy. You know, honestly, they should have traded him a while ago and they still should just trade him or just let him go. I mean, there's, he's not a player that they value at all. And all you're doing is stopping in the guy's career. Cause like at this point, he's just going to play for North Texas this year or they actually have touch on Rose is a pretty good player too. So I don't know if those guys are going to split time or Isaiah is going to end up playing wing again. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but effectively like he's got a three plus two contract, which means at the end of this year, he's going to be on an option. Well, there's no way in hell Dallas is picking that up. You know, so, I mean, I don't know why they bothered to, you know, they don't bother to just cut him other than he had an original three-year contract. Just trade him for a bag of balls. The problem is because he hasn't played a single game, maybe nobody will give you anything for him. So you're just stuck with him, which is a shame. Like, just being stuck with a guy and, and like, stuck with a kid who's not going to progress for you because you're stuck playing him somewhere. Like, in his rookie season, he was lighting up North Texas already, you know. So uh, I just don't – Go ahead, Dan. I think the thing that goes against him, and this is going to be the problem, is you know any potential suitors have got MLS Next Pro games to look at, and yeah. physically phenomenal, elite. Um, mentally, I just don't think he's you know got got that kind of football IQ. Um, you see him defensively, just absolutely go through a guy for absolutely no reason. You know, ball's not in a dangerous position. Uh, there was a game a couple of years ago where he got sent off, and it was the one of the dumbest double yellows I think I've ever seen. Uh, the game the other day, uh, he was playing as the left wing back. Uh, you know, theoretically, that should be the absolute ideal position, right? As a as a guy who's expected yeah. to get forward and and has a little bit of defensive uh, knowledge, he was racing forward. Uh, well, sorry, no, he wasn't racing forward. He would run 10 yards, check, pass back. There were so many times that he was clear through on a run and he just just checked. Uh, you know, just, just turned, gave the ball to, uh, I can't think whoever the, the left wing was at the time, but it, it was just, oh, it was Ariola. 
Um, it was just like he was looking for handholding, and it's kind of like at some point you just got to take the initiative, either run it to the end line, and and you know let your striker let let someone come up in support. Or, I mean, at this point he's probably playing not to make mistakes, which is of course not good. That's never good. Well, yeah, I mean that that that's the problem. Yeah. I mean he the, the, he killed more attacks than he contributed to. You know, Dallas under this coach plays a really fluid, relatively advanced tactical system. You know, players are swapping positions, swapping profiles mid-game. We saw Bear Helter try and do some of that, if you remember. You know, and it may be that the, a, a coach that plays a more simple, more direct system, like St. Louis, for example, that he would be great. You know, it's just a bad fit here with this coach and this team. You know, the kid's only uh, – it's like he's a junior in college right now. Or, uh, you know, that he's got basically this one season left – which would be his quote senior season. So, you know, he'll be 21, 22 at the end of this year. I don't remember what it is exactly, something like that. So he's got lots of time left, but it's going to be somewhere else. It's just not happening here, which is why they might as well just let him go, you know, loan him to some other team in USL again. You know, it just doesn't do any good to, you know, he, he, the problem in San Antonio for him last year, when he first went there, he was playing a lot and then he got hurt. And when he was hurt, St. Louis signed a veteran left back and then he couldn't get back in the team. You know, and when he wanted to come back to here to North Texas or whatever, you know, when when Rose got hurt, they were like, ah, don't worry about it. I was like, okay, that's, uh, you know, at that point, you just figure you're done here and try and move on. Uh, I don't know why the kid doesn't call his agent and say, get me out of here for a bag of balls, cut half my salary. I don't care. You right. Know. Hmm. Okay. Um, anything else? I think that's about everything that I had on my list. Um, the only other thing uh, I had was uh, I found the the list of the four games uh, that FC Dallas oh, is playing. Oh, yes. Mm, right, so, right. Yeah, what are the four games? So on the second, which is what, Friday, uh, they're playing Odense from Denmark. That's going to be at 9 a.m. Uh, our time central. Uh, that's, that's by Midland, a, right? Uh, sorry? No. It's <laughs> Midland, Odessa. Odessa. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's going to be it's a, a Russian. Uh, oh, <laughs> I think that I think the center is called like La Quinta or something like that. It's in uh, it's in Malaga. Uh, they're playing. Alvor. I've stayed at La Quinta before. Different, different one. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, they'll be back there on the fifth uh, Monday uh, against Alborg, also Danish, uh, nine a.m. again. Uh, I, I'm guessing that one's not going to be streamed because the first one's not going to be streamed. Uh, then they're playing a doubleheader at Marbella, which is going to be one of the main center. Yeah, the the main Marbella football center. Uh, that will be Malmo at four a.m. on the eighth, and then Odds BK. So that's a Swedish team and a Norwegian team. Uh, the second game will be seven thirty, and then they fly back on the ninth in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they're going to be on Central European time, so obviously it's uh, not going to line up with us at all. <laughs> so I'm not going to be up for that 4 a.m. game. Oh, wait, I might still be still up, I guess. You'll be up. We'll just have to wait until they come back and play somebody before the season to yeah. see them. Uh, and I think they also they may have confirmed that DC United game that uh, Stephen Goff had reported. Interesting. Okay. Well, they, get, they get back on the 9th, and then they have two weeks from there to their home opener against San Jose. Is that here? I think it's here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a time to get in one or two more games before the season starts. You know, you certainly would expect to have a game around the 17th or 18th. If you want to get that rhythm going, that weekly rhythm, you know, and they might sneak in another one somewhere or two, even for some of your reserves or stuff, you know, so hopefully we'll get some chances to see them. 
Well, that is all good information. I think we're all feeling a little bit better about the upcoming season than we were a few weeks ago, right? Well, a couple of knocks aside, yeah. Yeah. Couple of what? Knox. Oh, you injuries. Mean, yeah, yeah, Paxton yeah. and and Jesus. Well, I mean, it's Paxton, Jesus, Velasco, Giovanni Jesus. Um, Emus banged up. Haven't seen him yet. You know, there's there's a bunch of little things, and that was what happened last year. It was a bunch of little things all the time. So, you know, hopefully they get this righted. So, I mean, a couple of those are major things, not little things. I mean, yeah, you know, I saw so. Ema was uh, tweeting and promoting a new ankle brace. Yeah. yeah, and I thought well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked like it had a piston in it. It, it did look like how it, that's it, even legal. Yeah, it did. I thought about one actually for my shredded ankles. It did look like it had a piston yeah. in it. Yes. Well, uh, my my email hookups have told me it's just a knock, and he's supposed to be back any time. The fact that they took him to Spain should tell you that he's fine. Okay. You know, they had to take because of these other guys missing. They took some of the kids and some of the North Texas kids. There's like three North Texas players there. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them look pretty good. I mean, you know, they're worth taking. Yeah. Pedrino was uh Pedrino's been solid. Diego Garcia. Diego Garcia's solid. great, you know. Oh, he's in uh, the mix possibly for the U twenties. It could okay. be. Well, before we finish, I was gonna share with you the two of you that I'm gonna ask that you circle Saturday, well, probably Friday and Saturday, the twenty sixth and twenty seventh of April on your calendars because uh, we've been trying over at the Kickaround. We've been trying to organize an opportunity for Lars to come to the United States, and uh, you know I've never met Lars in person. And Lars has been wanting to come to the U.S. and go to some MLS games and stuff, and do some other things, see some friends out in California. And so I was trying to figure out a good time for him to go and and put together an event where kick around listeners or anybody who wants can come meet Lars and we can kind of do a live event thing one night somewhere. And so we're working on that. And I was trying to think about a game opportunity. And I looked at the calendar and lo and behold, I think the most awesome day is coming together. And I want you guys to participate if you want to come along because on the 27th at 1230 in the afternoon, Austin hosts the Galaxy. You go to that game. You're done by three. You get in the car. You drive the hours north to Frisco because it's 730. It's the Texas Derby. How about that for a day? That'd be cool, yeah. Very cool. So Uh, You're very lucky there. I've got concerts on the 26th and 28th. (laughs) Say that again? Uh, yeah, so you're very lucky there. I've got concerts on the 26th and 28th. So when you said the 26th or 27th, I was like, oh, that's me. Con- wait, whoa, stop. Hold on. Pa- Dan has have- concert tickets on the 26th and 28th. Oh, concert tickets. I thought you said, oh, I thought you meant like you were performing in a concert, like you had started oh, God, a band oh, or something. Gosh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just assuming he meant he had tickets. I, maybe I'm wrong. Dad's performing. Do you, Dan, at, uh, Dan, do you have do you have something to tell us, sir? <laughs> no, I'll be watching other people make money at the Majestic Theater and then the Dos Equis Pavilion. Okay. Would you like to tell us you're going to go see at those places? Uh, sure. Uh, the Friday is uh, Bianca Del Rio, which is a really famous drag queen, and uh, the other one is Hosier. Hosier, All right. nice. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I was thinking we would probably drive to Austin on Friday night uh, and not try to do all that driving in, in one consecutive in one uh, uh, day. 
but we'll figure it out. But anyway, it just sounds like a good, I just, I think that would be a, that would be an incredibly fun day. It would be. Yes. Buzz, are you going to go with this? Will you join in? I'll be in Orlando. Why will you be in Orlando? I have another job and career, my man. You already had that booked up? Yeah, dude, we book stuff. I already know I'm working Cowboys next fall. I mean, you know, stuff gets booked years in advance. Yeah, hey, I heard a really nasty rumor about you, Buzz. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard it. I heard <laughs> you're not gonna do this, are you? Oh, <laughs> I mean, Golly. well, it's out in the public. I know it is. Yeah, you can't. Right, I won't. No, I won't. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't want anybody to be mad at you. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep it under wraps. All right. But it's out in the Ethernet. If anybody wants to go find out <laughs> some dirt on Buzz. He has given some suspiciously detailed scouting reports on one team. Yeah. yeah. What? Uh, hey, by the way, uh, open to the public on Sunday, FC Dallas Academy versus Austin. In like how he Toyota changed Stadium. the subject, Dan? Yeah. In, 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 Toyota, in Toyota Stadium, the U-17s and the U-15s are playing Austin at noon and at 2 in, in the big stadium. So open to the public. That oh, was, you know what else is it, too? I know. The announcement as to weather. Dallas hosts the World Cup. Yeah, final. Dan's covering that for us, and I'm covering I, Academy. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to watch that presentation live. I don't. I'm so nervous about this because I don't. Have you guys seen the news that Infantino's in New York right now as we speak? Yeah, yeah. And I you just wonder if maybe there's last minute. Like, yeah, I really want to pick you guys, but you got to come up with a reason for me to do this over Dallas. Yeah, for sure. I'm. A, I'm so. How many I, millions of reasons are there? Uh, well, you know, it's all super shady. I'll, I'll take a semi in Dallas. I'll, I'll live with that. It'll be all right. No, at this point, Buzz, if we don't end up with the final, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, okay. Well, don't settle, a good Buzz. Semi, except for Peter. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming there's going to be five, six, seven games here, Cowboys. I'm excited. Well, you clearly know about dirty money, Buzz. So uh, yeah. take yeah. a dirty money. Yeah. So <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> the, the dirtiest of money. I'm trying to create a FC Dallas life here, a career. I take whatever money comes my way. Even if it's from the dirtiest of all the sources? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Those two things are separate. <laughs> separate things. I still love you, Buzz. I know. Okay. All right. Well, very good. Well, all right. You've you've uh, defeated my excited uh, day. I guess Lars and I'll just do the trip by ourselves. Then. I was really excited about that idea, but I will be working, so mm-hmm. I'll have to catch you all in first go. Okay. All right. Well, hey, look, look at us, look at us now, Buzz and Dan. We are having a we're we're feeling good about a 2024 Dallas season. Yes. Yeah, we are. I mean, all signs are moving in the right direction. It's nice to see ambition. It's, I'm fired up. It's going to be fun. Hooray. Third Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com, our excellent partners over there at Soccer90. They've got all the soccer gear. Man, they got it all. They got everything you want. They're getting, they're getting more cleats and shin guards and stuff in for players. They got jerseys. They got sweats, tees, hats. Man, everything. Uh, if you use the code Third Degree at checkout, you get 20% off. Soccer9.com. Some exclusions may apply. All right. Well, Dan, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. Buzz, as always, sir, thank you. Oh, always a pleasure. Thank you for being here. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you next week, hopefully with even more good news on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Subject to change. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree. The Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree. The Third Degree Net Podcast.